There is a war on humanity. That's as clear as the sky was before the plane started crisscrossing it. The world's population is under constant bombardment, some quite literally. Physical bombardment is a more obvious and bloody example, of course, but the people are also under psychological attack, economical, educational, sexual, particularly our youngest and most vulnerable. And so no matter what political persuasion people may be, very few would disagree that there's a war being waged against us. Now, they might not be on the same page when it comes to the finer points of who's behind it or how deep it goes, but they'll agree on the basic principle at last, something that we can all align on. But are many of us aware not only of the war on humanity, but of the war on our humanity, our empathy, our ability to wear another man's shoes, if only for a while, to try and relate to another's suffering? Those behind world events like wars, fake pandemics, experimental pharmaceuticals, net zero self-sabotage and manipulated economic collapses aren't even simply apathetic to the plight of us all. They actively seek our destruction and they enjoy the pain that brings. After all, we're the carbon they seek to reduce. But I can't help thinking that the psychopaths in suits aren't content with our demise. They want to mold us in their own image. They want a world of cold and heartless people just like themselves. They're achieving that, I fear, by desensitizing the population to the horrors being inflicted around the world on a daily basis, by dehumanizing and othering victims to the point where people merely accept it. Well, this is reality. It's life, it's the new normal. On October the 26th, I asked the question, how many dead Palestinians would it take for people to go from Israel's defending itself to Israel's murdering innocent people? At that point, 6,000 Palestinians had been killed by the IDF. Now, as I stand here, 30,000 Palestinians have been murdered by Israel with over 11,500 of them children. To put this into perspective, items of clothing were laid down next to each other on a beach in Bournemouth, England. Each item of clothing represented a child murdered by Israel since October the 7th. The line of clothes stretched for over five kilometers and it's growing daily. So where's the humanity within us? Why is this allowed to continue for month after month after month with hardly a word from the masses? Because we accept it, that's warfare, it's terrible, isn't it? What's for dinner? We need to be better than that. We need to rise above the normalization of horrific acts, whatever they may be and whoever they may be against. King Charles is diagnosed with cancer, which I'm sure is part of some greater play in terms of the royals and even potentially brand new Tony Blair approved cancer vaccines. But on the face of it, he's ill. And some are punching the air with delight at that fact. Now, I can't abide the royal family. They're a right bunch of wrong ones on every conceivable level. And so I understand not shedding a tear or sending flowers to Buckingham Palace, but to celebrate feels like the kind of dark, low vibrational behavior that's personified by the very people that are committing the aforementioned war on humanity. Now, everyone is, of course, free to act and speak as they wish. But for me personally, I won't be allowing myself to become what I'm opposed to. I'm refusing the bait. Basically, I'm refusing to lose my humanity because if I do, it's me that loses and it's the demons, as always, that gain. With the constant threat of world war and army conscription filling the column inches the world over, it's a pleasure to be joined once again by military veteran and former aid agency security, Warren Thornton. Warren, we've got three fronts, it seems, mate. Russia, Iran and China. They're the sort of bogeymen that we're being told about at the moment. What, what's the state of play in terms of Russia and Ukraine, first of all? 
uh, in a state of play with Russia and Ukraine, is Russia are doing what they usually do, which is uh, just very slow and steady wins the race. Uh, they've, uh, they're pretty much now in the middle of Anivka, uh, and they're looking to secure that. Uh, lots of people said it would be over by Christmas, but uh, obviously lots of people have never seen uh, a Russian winter. Uh, the Russians are in no hurry. They've got lots and lots of troops that are in training, and they'll be ready for a push in March and April. Uh, Kupiansk, up in the north, uh, around the uh, around obviously that region uh, is in dire straits, and so is Adyivka. And uh, given the state of the Ukrainian military and the desperation uh, to get people on there, this is just it's only going one way. And the the trouble is, the brutal regime in Ukraine are subjugating the people. They're throwing them onto the front line after a couple of weeks of training. And they are no match. Warfare has moved on. It's drones now uh, and missiles and, and artillery that win wars now. Uh, ordinary tanks just get blown up. Why do you think then that the, the, the kind of, you know, the Western media, I, I saw it this week with, with British politicians saying, you know, when Ukraine wins this war, this is how we rebuild an X, Y and Z. And they're talking in a way that you would think that Ukraine are absolutely laughing and just walking it. <laughs> Why do you think they're, 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 they want us to believe that? Is it a case of, well, if we think that, then we're more than happy to hand over some money because we think it will be over soon? Yeah, yes, because you have to remember that uh, given what's happened in America, obviously the funding there is going to be very difficult because the Republicans are, are now that we've had the eight oblasts and everything else and the, uh, sorry, all the nominations and everything else, we're looking then, aren't we, at, uh, you know, there's no funding going to be coming from Trump and the Rep Republicans don't want to upset Trump. Uh, so the, the funding there is going to be blocked in the House by Speaker Johnson, and they're all trying to get lockstep uh, ready with Trump, because obviously he's won Iowa, he's won New Hampshire, and he will be the next president unless something happens. Uh, when it comes to the EU, even Orban has had to give over because uh, the EU are withholding the funds that he's supposed to have. So in terms of Ukraine, then, it, it doesn't look like things are at all positive for them, which may mean that something's going to come in terms of attacking us, do you think, then, in the West? So they, they want us to go in there because they're losing. So, you know, what if a bomb goes off in London or a bomb goes off in New York or something like that? They say it was the Russians. They would have us, well, there in, in minutes, probably. Do you think that's something that could happen? Uh, absolutely. Uh, what they're trying to do at the moment, and it won't be London or New York, it will be in Ukraine, uh, they... Rustam Yemerov, who is the Defence uh, Secretary, and he's the one who likes to uh, play with himself on, on the internet in front of young ladies. Uh, there's a video of him out there uh, actually doing that. He was in Niger uh, not so long back trying to get uh, weapons. <laughs> well, it's not weapons grade until they ship it, but through a French company, they were looking to buy uranium uh, in Niger. And then, of course, they ship it off. It then becomes weapons grade. And then, of course, we're back to Zaporozhia, aren't we, uh, which the Americans have never given up on. Victoria Nuland once again appeared in Kiev, and suddenly you have Zelensky and Zeluzhny at loggerheads. And when Adyivka falls, uh, they'll be able to blame Zeluzhny, Zeluzhny for that. Uh, they've already tried to blame him for Nord Stream. And if they do a dirty bomb on the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, they'll be able to blame him for that as well. Uh, the guy lined up to go into his place. He's either going to be Sersky, which the military like, or Budenov, which is definitely America and NATO's boy. And that guy is the head of the SBU, and he will stop at nothing. He is, uh, if you like, the Goebbels uh, to, uh, to Zelensky's Hitler.
Wow. Wow. In terms of the, the Middle East, just to shift ever so slightly, because obviously these things are all happening at the same time. Do you see Iran getting involved with Israel? Because it feels like, obviously, Israel's wanted a war with Iran. They've wanted America to do the fighting for them for a very long time. Do you think they'll get involved with that Iran? Or do you think they're, they're simply too clever to fall for that trap? They'll look at it and go, no, no, this, 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 they want us to get involved here. Yeah, very much. They're looking for a sort of Gulf of Tonkin, which happened in Vietnam uh, for America to start the war. And basically what you've got is a very steadying hand from Putin and also from uh, Turkey, Erdogan, uh, with a hand on the shoulder going, don't do anything, don't do anything, don't react, don't react, we've got this. Uh, and very, uh, only a couple of weeks ago, uh, you heard a wonderful statement. And also, uh, just let me add in here, North Korea tested a couple of missiles the other day and they hit what they aim at. Um, and they're very much, you know, a player in this as well. But you had Russia and China suddenly, China don't come out with these sort of statements where they publicly give support. For them to do that means that basically they're saying, if you come around and muck about in the Middle East, that we're going to take care of that situation. You will not just be against Iran. You'll be against Russia and China. Uh, and Iran are being very clever. Um, they're showing everything up. I mean, the shipping is, is dropping off simply because they can't even stop the Houthi drones when you're using a 32 million pound missile to knock out a $2,000 drone. How long do you think that can go on for? Uh, but to answer your question, Iran are being very clever, but also... Uh, Lavrov has had uh, Lavrov has had some meetings with Iran, and so has Putin had some phone calls that I'm hearing from my source uh, with the "Don't react, don't react, don't react," and, and very much uh, they're sort of striking out in all areas now, aren't we? We had Lloyd Austin the other day turn around and say, uh, "We're going to bomb Iran," and then they didn't. They bombed Syria, which doesn't make any sense. And Lloyd Austin turned around and said, "We don't know what Iran do or don't know, and it doesn't matter." It's, I'm looking at this, though, and I'm thinking, you know, it's saying to Iran, don't get involved, don't get involved. I get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, Israel can, can commit genocide, which, you know, some people get offended by saying that, but it's what's happening. Just, you, just for a laugh, basically, that's been, it's been going on for four months now. What do you think will happen there with that? Because when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the people of Gaza and there is no one coming to support them. I mean, I don't want a big full conflict, obviously, but I would like something to happen to stop that from carrying on. Yeah, with well, the best will in the world, I'd love to tell you it's all wine and roses and soon the people of the Gaza are going to stop suffering. Um, but this 42% of Gaza is absolutely levelled, and I mean levelled. Uh, the, IC, the ICJ obviously came out short of uh, stopping the genocide. Uh, they, they've given them 30 days sort of to carry on, really, uh, when they should have been calling it for what it is. At the end of the day, Gareth, it doesn't matter what flag you are standing under. If you kill men, women or children, you're a war criminal. And what Israel are doing in Gaza, you can turn around and go, it's not genocide. Yes, it is. And we have our press and our, our internet uh, providers, 90% uh, of them, uh, you know the 80-odd uh, people from the, the Israeli intelligence work in Google. Um, you know that Talk TV is run by Murdoch, who is also in the Friends of Israel. The Labour Parliament here, 40% of the cabinet received funds from the Friends of Israel. Sunak uh, could not even come to the dispatch box and turn around and say, uh, yes, this is a genocide. Our politicians are bought and paid for. Governments don't run uh, the countries anymore. Corporations run the governments and they do what they tell them. And when the money's there, 
You have to remember that every politician, when they finish, is on a nice little owner at the end of it with a CEO of certain boards. Oh, aren't they just? Just finally then, Warren, on the subject of China, which seems to be the third of, of, of the trilogy, um, what is going on with them in Taiwan? Is, is there a real threat of escalation there? Because from what I can see, it seems to be largely a, a, a kind of a Western media narrative, really, more, more than a full-on conflict. Um, right, let's, let's get into this, because this is very, very important for your listeners. That is the next big conflict coming up. That is the one that we have to worry about. Uh, Russia, uh, the Ukraine-Russia war, and the Middle East is just the appetizer. Now, what you've got is, um, you have to remember that the parliament, uh, they had to vote uh, over in Taiwan, and Taiwan mainly um, are pro-Russia. But the other parties did a deal, so they did a coalition to keep the pro-Russian, uh, the, the pro-China party out. Four years' time, that won't be the case. Uh, then, then that will really kick off. Uh, you've got to remember that they're rebuilding all their bases and rebuilding new uh, technology uh, as well to go on those bases. They've got many, many hundreds of uh, bases in the Pacific. They know they can't fight a war 8,000 miles away from home. Afghanistan, Iraq, and Vietnam uh, taught them that. So they're going to have to fight it much closer from home. It's going to be for Australia and the Philippines are going to be used as they're in Japan. And they're going to be trying to take Taiwan. Now, that Russia and China, uh, China's economy is a little bit shaky at the moment, but the Russians have already said that they're going to come and back that up. Uh, and you also have to remember, for everything that you see on top of China, they have uh, vast underground bunkers uh, where they're making all sorts of military hardware. Uh, so for every tank you see, it's sort of like cockroaches, for every tank you see, there's another nine hidden. Um, they've got a five-kilometre bunker uh, 17 miles outside of Beijing. Um, and that's a five-kilometre bunker where they're just building, banging up tanks and missiles and all sorts. And you have to remember that the Chinese can throw uh, things together very, very quickly uh, when they get organised. And this is the coming conflict. You just keep hearing about it. Uh, remember that uh, most of the semiconductors in the world are made in Taiwan. And if Taiwan were to fall, there's no way that the USA are going to allow Taiwan to come under Chinese influence and China want Taiwan. So that's coming. It won't come yet. Uh, there's lots more uh, sort of warm-ups to go first. But trust me when I tell you this. Um, I'm hearing from sources not only in Beijing but also in the Philippines about the mass build-up that is going to be taking place there over the next three or four years. Wow. It's an interesting time to be alive, that's for sure. I just hope that China's military hardware is made to the same standard as their toys, and then they can kind of fall apart on the battlefield. That would be ideal. As always, thanks so much for talking to us, Warren. Really appreciate your time, mate. Gareth, you're more than welcome, and thank you very much to all you viewers that listen. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thank you for tuning in. You may have seen that former Fox News presenter Tucker Carlson is in Moscow to interview Vladimir Putin. And as you can imagine, this has the mainstream media losing their blob left, right and centre. BBC correspondents taking to social media to say, well, I requested an interview with Putin. He turned me down. Well, obviously, you're the BBC. Why would anyone in their right mind think that they would get a fair and balanced representation from you? Putin wouldn't, and so I don't blame him for ignoring you. Rupert Murdoch mouthpiece, fake vaccine pusher, Israel supporter and pretend rebel, Julia Hartley Brewer tweeted that we are at war with Putin. We, 
doesn't mean she, of course. She'll be in a nice warm studio while the bombs fall on our heads far, far away. Personally, I'm happy this interview between Tucker and Putin is taking place because I think it's important that the taxpayers that are being asked to give up their money to fund Zelensky and will ultimately be asked to fight to the death for a proxy NATO war should get to hear the other side of the story because they're not going to get that from the legacy media. They have Vladimir and his green Primark tracksuit as the poster boy for freedom and democracy, completely ignoring, of course, the Ukrainian Nazis that they used to tell us about before their narrative was switched. Now, I wasn't born yesterday, and so I know that it's theatre, and ultimately, Vladimir Putin and Vladimir Zelensky serve the same bosses when you get high enough, but I also know that wars require consent from the masses. They require non-existent weapons of mass destruction and stories of babies being thrown out of incubators to enrage the population into supporting mass slaughter. They've been doing that with Russia for decades, with no questions asked, media amplified stories of Russian interference, Nord Stream self-sabotage, as if, and Novichok poisonings getting the population to be sympathetic towards NATO expansion on the Russian border and ultimately a conflict. So no matter what the motives behind the Putin interview or the motives of the new mainstream alternative media in general, if this interview can get enough information about Ukraine, NATO and the warmongering West out to the people of the US and Europe, then just maybe it might dilute the support for war with Russia. And if that happens and public consent wanes enough to throw the whole plan off course, that could mean for the working class lads of these nations, the difference between life and death. Good night.